Thank you all for being here today. We're very glad that uh, we have the opportunity to worship God together. Glad that, uh, that Nick is feeling like being with us. It was four weeks ago today. The morning was just like this. Everything was fine. And then it turned uh, with his heart attack. And uh, we should be thankful for every moment that we have and the opportunity we have to be together today. Um, people throughout time have wondered and pondered about the meaning of life. What is the purpose of our existence? Where can we get true fulfillment out of this life? People wonder and struggle and, and, and grapple with this challenging question. What's our purpose here? Where can we get true fulfillment? Because this life is short and it's often filled with serious challenges. We get knocked down and we struggle to get back up and we get knocked down again. We get sick and we work to get our health back and then we get sick again. And we know that someday we'll get sick and we won't get well and we'll die. And then we realize that after we're gone, we'll soon be forgotten. There are graveyards everywhere full of people who no one remembers anymore. They have a headstone there with simply their name and when they were born and when they died and no one knows any more than that about them. So this life is full of, questions, of difficulties and challenges, and it's short, and it'll soon be over, and no one will remember us. And so what's the purpose? Why get up every day? Why keep going on? Why keep struggling? And it isn't just us that struggle with this question. Many struggle with this question. In fact, would it surprise you to know that even the richest and wisest person to ever live struggled with this question? King Solomon, with all of his wealth and all of his wisdom, struggled mightily with this question. And we, he wanted to know what would bring him true satisfaction, what would bring him fulfillment in this life. And he tried all different kinds of things to figure out the answer to that question. And he documents that for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we have his experiment recorded for us of how he tried to figure out what would give this life meaning? And throughout the book, he uses one word, and he uses it 38 times. And five times in the verse that Joseph just read for us in verse 2 of chapter 1, it is the word vanity. He described this life as vanity. He would look at various facts and aspects of this life. He'd try different things, and at the conclusion of that, he would say, it's vanity. For example, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14 says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's going to say this is all just vanity. Vanity of vanities. He starts the book with that phrase, vanity of vanities. He finishes the book with that phrase, vanity of vanities. This morning, let's look at what Solomon has looked at and concluded is vanity about this life. First, we need to look at what is the meaning of the word vanity. The word vanity is not a word that we would use all the time. And in this context, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the word vanity is not talking about a piece of furniture that has a mirror on it. That's not the kind of vanity he's talking about. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he's not, also, he's not talking about self-centered pride. We might call self-centered pride vanity. 
We might talk about the person who walks around taking selfies of themselves all the time. We might say that's vanity. But that's not the kind of vanity that Solomon's talking about here. For example, I know that from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 10, Solomon says, Then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the, the place of holiness, and they were forgotten in the city where they had done so. This also is vanity. There's nothing self-centered or arrogant or prideful in a person being buried and forgotten. That's not what Solomon's talking about here when he uses the word vanity. The Hebrew word that is translated vanity is the Hebrew word Habel. And Strong defines Habel as emptiness or vanity, figuratively something that is transitory and unsatisfactory. That's what Solomon's talking about. He's talking about things that are empty. He's talking about things that are transitory and unsatisfactory, don't fulfill. They're short, they're transitory. And we understand this idea of emptiness of being connected with vanity, but I think we also need to focus on this idea of being transitory or temporary. Something is temporary. Look in uh, Job chapter 7 for another place where this word is used. Job chapter 7 verse 6. This time it's translated breath. In Job 7 verse 16, I loathe my life, it says, Job 7 16, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone, for my days are but a breath. They're short. They're but a breath. In Psalm 39, verse 5, Psalm 39, verse 5, Indeed, you have made my days as, a hand, as hand breaths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. Our life is described as vapor here in Psalms. That is the Greek word Habel, transitory, temporary, vanity. Our life is a vapor. Psalm 144, verse 4. Psalm 144, verse 4. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Temporary, transient, vanity. Our lives are short. And then finally, in Proverbs 31, verse 30, Proverbs 31, verse 30, in talking about a woman's beauty, charm is deceitful and beauty is hable or passing or transient. A young woman's beauty doesn't stay with her very long. Our lives don't stay with us very long. They are transient and temporary. And it is also interesting to know that this word hable is used earlier in the Bible in Genesis chapter 4. Habel is the name given to who we would refer to as Abel now. That is the word that is translated Abel for us as his name, but it's Habel. And we remember in the Old Testament that names were often prophetic. Habel didn't live very long, did he? In the Bible, he lived for seven verses, and then he's dead. His life was very transient and short. And so, as we look at vanity of vanities in the book of Ecclesiastes, we need to understand what we're talking about here. We're talking about the idea of something being empty, something being transitory and unsatisfactory, 
As Solomon is looking at life and looking at aspects, he's seen over and over again this idea of emptiness, shortness, transitory nature of this life. What is, according to Solomon, some, what are some things that are vanity in his mind? I hope you have your Bibles open to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at chapter 2 extensively to this morning because he talks over and over again. In chapter 2, about things that are just empty in life. Things that don't have any real fulfillment, any real meaning, that are short and transient and really just don't help him out in having a good feeling about this life. What are some things that Solomon says are vanity? Solomon says that seeking pleasure is vanity. There's no true fulfillment in seeking pleasure. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, of mirth, what does it accomplish? Solomon said that seeking pleasure was vanity. It was empty. It was unsatisfactory. It didn't provide fulfillment. It was temporary and transient. You know, pleasure is something that's temporary, isn't it? It's something that is fleeting. And not all pleasure is sinful. There are wholesome pleasures. There are pleasures that are not sinful at all. You ever seen a beautiful sunrise? That's pleasurable, isn't it? Have you ever hiked to a summit and seen the wonderful view from the top of a mountain? That's pleasurable, isn't it? That's temporary and transient, isn't it? It doesn't last. Memories fade. The desire to see something like that again is, comes back. The desire to enjoy something comes back. You know, the vacation industry would be in very bad shape if pleasure wasn't vanity or temporary or transient. When you go on vacation, what do you invariably do before you even get back home? You talk about where you want to go on your next vacation. What do you want to do next? Because pleasure's transient, temporary. It's vanity, Solomon would say. It doesn't provide you true fulfillment. And so Solomon would say, what's the use? What's the benefit of pleasure? Unless you think that Solomon just didn't know how to do it right, that Solomon didn't really figure out the right ingredient here for having pleasurable times, Notice what we read there in Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward for my labor. Solomon didn't keep himself from any pleasure. He said, if that looked like fun, I tried it. If I thought that might be something good, I would do that. I did it all, and he had all the money he needed to do it. It wasn't like, well, I just can't afford that. That looks like a lot of fun, but not today. It's not in the budget. No, Solomon had the means to do whatever he wanted to do. And whatever looked like pleasure to him, he tried it. And in the end, he said, it's vanity. It's fleeting. It's temporary, and it really doesn't provide fulfillment. Go on. Look at verse 3 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon says there's vanity and fleshly gratification. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. Certainly here, I think Solomon is talking about some sinful pleasures. 
Solomon let his hair down, let himself go, let him do some things that weren't right, trying to find gratification. He couldn't find it. And certainly there are sinful pleasures. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, Moses is referred to here and says, He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. There are pleasures associated with wrongdoing and with sin. Hebrews describes those as passing pleasures, though. This idea of vanity, that it's transient. And there are many in this life who are going to run after those types of pleasures. They're going to do whatever they want to do. They're not going to have any restraint, no boundaries. They do whatever they want to do to try and have a good time. They'll give their lives to whatever the endeavor is that may be sinful. They'll go after that and sacrifice whatever it takes, trying to find fulfillment in the worldly and sinful pleasures. In the end, though, they only find out that their lives are empty. Remember... Solomon tried it all in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. I think from looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, we can conclude that Solomon didn't use a lot of restraint. He engaged in a lot of wickedness as he tried to find out what might bring him pleasure, and it didn't bring him any pleasure. Kids, the devil is going to present sin to you in the same way that he's presented it to people throughout time, that if you'll do this, it's going to be fun. If you do this, it'll bring your life some type of fulfillment, and you won't be complete unless you've tried this or you've tried this wickedness and this sinfulness. The devil's going to lie to you like that. Learn from Solomon that wickedness will not bring you fulfillment. As we go on in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon also tried working. Look at chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 4 beginning. Chapter 2 beginning verse 4. Um, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. And then drop down to verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. There are some who look for fulfillment in what they can accomplish with their work. Solomon had tried this on a grand scale. He built grand structures. Not only did he build one house, he built more than one. He built houses. And no doubt these weren't just shacks. He wasn't just building cabins in the woods, I don't think. These were, no doubt, grand structures. He had built these. And he had built impressive gardens and orchards. And when he got done with it, he said, you know what? There's no fulfillment here. This is vanity. This is transient. This is empty. This is not where you're going to find true fulfillment. Have you ever planted for yourself gardens? Maybe you like to do a little gardening. Or more likely, you've got some landscaping out in front of your house. You plant that there, and it looks really good. But you give it just a little time, and it's going to be overgrown with weeds. Ours has been overgrown with weeds, and Friday we decided we weren't going to have it anymore. We we're going to clean it out. And I've got a raging case of poison ivy as my uh, souvenir from cleaning out my flower beds. And you know what? I'm going to have to do the same thing again in a few months. It's going to get overgrown again if I don't stay after it. There's nothing permanent about what we do, is there? How about your house? 
You know, when we were building our house, I thought I could build my house in such a way that it wouldn't turn into those old houses that I've lived in in my life. I could do this, and I could build it this way, and I could spend a little bit extra money here and do this, and when I got done, I'd have a house that would be, that'd be done. You know what my house has turned into? It's turned into an old house where the paint's all faded, and the things that were shiny aren't shiny anymore because there's no permanence here. There's no true fulfillment. It's vanity. It's empty. It's transient, Solomon would say. And he went on and he acquired great possessions. Look at verse 7 of chapter 2. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Some people think they just have to get more stuff. That their secret to fulfillment is just the next thing. If I can just get the next raise at work, if I can get to this level in my income, boy, then it's going to be good. If I can just get one more zero on my bank account statement when it comes in, one more zero, that would be it. Or if I can just get my retirement account to that magic number, that's where fulfillment is if I can get there. Everything will be good. If I had this car, or if I lived in that neighborhood, or if I did, had this or that, then I'd have it. I'd be fulfilled and satisfied. Solomon had tried this on a grand scale. I want to tell you, he's tried it in ways that none of us will ever be able to try it with possessions. I don't know anybody who has male and female servant, or singers in our society. Can you imagine the extravagance of I just have him around because I like to hear him sing? And when he got done with it, he said it's vanity. In chapter 5, verse 10, he would say, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Solomon says there's no satisfaction here. There's no true fulfillment in our, in our possessions. He also would say there's no true fulfillment in being wise. Look at verse 15. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 15. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was it then? I, why then was I more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity. Solomon's talking about the fact that he was wiser than other folks. But you know what's going to happen to him and everyone else, whether you're wise or you're not, you're going to die. One thing's going to happen. It's going to happen to the fool just like it happens to me. And you might think that if you're smarter than the next guy, everything's going to be okay. If you can make good decisions, if you can do all your research and figure out the best way to navigate life and do everything just right, if you can scour the internet and do your research and find the guy who has a billion followers telling you how to do this or do that, if you do what he says, then it's going to be fine. You know what's going to happen? You're going to die like everybody else. And Solomon realized that. He was the wisest man to ever live. And he realized, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to die just like the one who has no wisdom. He says there's really no fulfillment here. And he concludes... 
his analysis by just saying life itself is just empty and transient. Verse 16, for there's no more remembrance of the wise than the fool forever, since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die? As the fool. Therefore I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me. For all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a wise man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his, inherit, his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart, with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. You can work hard and be successful. You can work your fingers to the bone. Look at verse 23 again. He, his work is burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. You can work day and night. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the end? You're going to leave it behind to someone who didn't work for it. And they might be smart in how they use it or they might just squander all of it. But you're not going to have any control of it. And you'll soon be forgotten. All the long days and nights you put into your work are going to be forgotten. The blisters on your hands, the sore back, it's all going to be forgotten. The headaches from the stress of what you needed to get done, it's all going to be forgotten. Someone else is going to get what you've given, what you've worked hard for. It's going to be given to them and they can use it however they want. You'll have no control over it. From a physical perspective, Solomon concludes this life is vanity. It's emptiness. It's fleeting. It's transient. There is no real purpose here to give you fulfillment, Solomon would say, from a physical perspective. But we can't stop reading there. You've got to go to the end of the book where Solomon finds where the true meaning is, and that is in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. In chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, here's what Solomon says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Thankfully for us, Solomon doesn't leave us hanging, does he? He doesn't leave us in this state of despair. He gives us the answer to what will give this life true meaning. And that true meaning is found in knowing God and doing His will. And that is the only thing that is going to keep this life from being vanity, is if we know God and we do His will. That gives our life true fulfillment. And I want to tell you, there are pleasures in doing what God wants us to do. 
There is fulfillment in those pleasures. They're not the fleshly pleasures. They are the joy and the peace and the happiness that comes from knowing God and doing what He wants us to do. There's fulfillment there. There's not vanity. It's not these temporary pleasures. This is true pleasure and true joy. And I want to tell you there's fulfillment in working. There's fulfillment in doing our physical jobs. There's fulfillment there because I'm doing what God told me to do, to provide for the needs of my family, to provide for the needs of others. There's fulfillment in that. In my possessions, I'm going to be acquiring possessions in heaven. I'm going to be laying up treasures there. And I may have treasures here on earth, but my heart and my treasure is not going to be in what I have here on earth. It's going to be in what I'm laying up in heaven. And there's fulfillment there, isn't there? in those treasures in heaven. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to use the wisdom that God has given me in His Word to help me navigate life in a way that will make me pleasing to God. And my life itself can be fulfilling if I'll give myself to God. Without, without God, our life is certainly vanity. It is empty. It is transitory. And it is unsatisfactory and unfulfilling. But with God, our life is full. It's full of hope. It's full of joy. It's full of purpose. We can learn from Solomon. We can learn from the richest and wisest person alive. And we can learn from him. And we, not, we cannot make the mistakes that he made. The question for us this morning is, is your life being spent in vain? Or is it being spent for God? Have you given your life to God? And this just isn't something that lives on the side. Life is going to be empty unless God is in the center of our life. Unless everything we do is dictated by His will for us. You know, there's a lot of people who want to search after the things Solomon searched for and then drag God along and have Him as a little part of their life. But I'm going to tell you, your life is going to be vain and vanity and empty until God is all of your life. Have you given all of your life to God? If you haven't this morning, if you're not a Christian, there's no better time than to become one right now. Or if you're a Christian but you're not living as you should, would you make correction to that? If there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand and sing?